You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Look, I, I, I'll share it with you, but yeah, you've got to be careful these days. I'll preface it just by saying that when I when I write any lyrics, um, I make an absolute point of crossing the line. Like I've, I've got a moral compass of my own and I do my best to turn that moral compass off um, and write down stuff that is unpleasant and uncomfortable. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of amazing shows all year long, but they also put on one of North America's best metal festivals, and that's the absolute truth. I have played festivals all across the globe, and Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them. Some of the amazing events they got coming up in the next year is Deftones with Gojira, Sepultura with Sacred Reich, Crowbar, and Art of Shock. Coming up real soon, there's the Ginger Suicide Silence Tour that's coming through M-Telus. And they have just announced they got Static X coming through with Fear Factory and Dope. If you'd like to grab some tickets for these events, you can do that via the link in the description of this podcast. I am very, very stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'd also like you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there is someone in your life that enjoys metal and craft beer, please tell them about Vox and Hops. You could tell them that there are over 290 episodes with some of the world's best metal musicians for them to go back and listen to. If you were to encourage one of your friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, on today's episode, I am with Sam Bean, the vocalist of Werewolves. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 296. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Sam Bean of Werewolves, the Berserker, the Antichrist Imperium, the Senseless, and uh, he's just recently uh, jumped into doing some live vocals for the Amenta. Sam, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Thanks, man. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I've been looking forward to this chat. Uh, we sort of set this up because uh, I snuck my way onto uh, the brand new Werewolves album, and I'm just so damn excited that we did this. And I was like, we, sh- we should talk to each other. <laughs> we should. Besides the fact of just performing together, even though we've never really met. So uh, a beautiful thing that came out of COVID was uh, a bunch of cool projects and connecting with people. And uh, this is one of them for me. So I'm happy that we're actually having a conversation face to face via the internet. <laughs> yeah, dude. Look, yeah. Thanks heaps for like uh, doing that spot of vocals for us. Uh, you know, it's really hard because I want to boast all about it and tell everyone everything about that little particular project. And yeah, God, if we could play it, that'd be even better. But I think we've still got many months to go before that one comes out, so I have to keep zipped. It sucks so much. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Um, let's just dance into the, the dirty part of this. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious year that is now behind us, that is still lingering and is still giving you some hassles? How are you coping with 2020? Well, 2020? I actually like 2020. I'm, you know, I'm a complete bastard. Look, I'm not heartless enough to realize... Yeah, everyone else is doing it pretty tough. Um, and it was a worldwide disaster, but I had a great year. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, you know, I got a couple of albums out. Um, work didn't uh, get interrupted for me at all. Um, there was recordings galore. Like, yeah, I, I even squeezed a bit of travel in as well. Yeah, everything was good for me. It sucked for everyone else. I felt bad for him, but like, uh, yeah, I had a good time. <laughs> well, that's a good year. way of looking at things. This year is a little bit of a different story. I'm going to admit that. Take me there. What what, what is worse about this year than the previous year? You know, I could understand like getting locked down last year as a little bit of a novelty. Um, And I was kind of thinking, you know, 
six months, a year, that'll, that's long enough for any country really to pull their thumb out and get their act together and um, work out how to, especially if you're a big island like we are, um, work out how you're going to deal with incoming cases, which is uh-huh. how we get all our variants and all our infections. But no, we we seem to have been afflicted with some extremely inept leadership. Uh, so we don't have quarantine facilities as such. They just stick them in hotels and rooms next to each other. Like there's no real, you know, as a country, we're really good at like, you know, the idea of she'll be right, mate. Like, you know, just let, let things work themselves out. And this is kind of <laughs> somewhere, no, you really need to have the shit squared. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it, it just, it's infuriating. So I think everyone here has completely had the shits by now. Um, and especially like right now, we, you know what it's like when you're in winter, COVID breaks loose. When you're in summer, it seems to kind of go away a little bit like uh, like the flu. So we're having the same period you guys would have been having in January or whatever. We're looking at the Northern Hemisphere and just going, look at them. They're all open and partying, getting, doing stuff and getting stuff done and, <laughs> We're down in here, like, you know, in our socks again, like eating, you know, Wheaties out of a tin for like uh, the second week straight. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're a little bit over it. You know, we're kind of like um, the vaccination's the way out of this. When's that going to bloody happen? And you know, it, half the country is kind of like, no, nah, I don't, I'm not into that. And then half the political class is like, what, do we need vaccinations? <laughs> so That's a heavy, heavy... 2021 for you there sam let's let's lighten the mood a little bit and talk about what vox and hops is all about vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends talking about their lives music and craft beer now what beer do you have on your side that we're going to be sharing virtually i'll I'll wave it at you like uh over the camera here um i've got a pirate life um and it's pale ale now, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I chose this. There's two reasons why I chose this one. <laughs> First one is uh, there was supposed to be a big metal festival at uh, the Pirate Life Brewing Company in Adelaide like next weekend. Yeah. Obviously, that has been cancelled. Um, but, yeah, I, I really like the brewing company. Like, uh, their facilities, yeah, I should be talking about their beer. It's actually the facilities I freaking love. It's in this kind of, like old suburb everyone hates in this city and they've <laughs> you know they've gone from a craft beer sort of like a brewing outlet like uh, that started in 2014 just a couple of guys over from western australia um and they've now taken over this big industrial estate so they're still kind of like a crafts outfit and that they like just pump out heaps of varieties of stuff like you know each month but now they've got the facilities of a major brewing company. They've upgraded, like, I think three or four years ago. So not only do they have all these, like, massive new facilities, so they can just, like, really push out some massive amounts of brew. Uh, they've also got this it, – it's just fantastic to visit. Like, summers here get really hot, and they've got this massive outdoor area, like, with sprinklers, like, misters everywhere. and Amazing lights up and it's like half factory half like you know concentration camp death by beer kind of like outfit with like food trucks and a bit of misting and it's pretty cozy in winter as well um there's a local metal guy here uh jason north plays for a band called truth corroded and he he organizes the festivals here and um uh yeah he teed that one up when i heard it was at the brewing company i was just like ah what a brilliant brilliant place to do it and of course like you know they're going to go triple taps down all day long so i was just like that is the perfect place for for a fest hopefully you can reschedule that you know again for another time anyway i'm going to rip this sucker open just while i tell you the second reason why i've gone this oh yeah it's 10 a.m mm. <laughs> i appreciate uh, it <laughs> now now that first sips down i hate beer um, <laughs> I fucking hate beer. Anyway, uh, look, I, <laughs> I'm not good with yeast, like uh, mild yeast allergies. So this is why I'm drinking a pale ale because anything heavier than that, I'll be wheezing and sneezing and drooling all over the place. Really? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. It, most people like get a little bit of bloated, get a little bit pink when they have some bruise and stuff. For me, that's just like times 10. Um, so a lot of the craft beers have, they've passed me by first off, just, it's, it's not 
fun for me to drink. No, no, no. Um, I'm more of a spirits kind of guy. But the second one is is that, uh, uh, you know, apart from the wheezing, my palace, like, uh, just has problems with craft beers. Like, the all those kind of floral, hoppy flavors to people just taste like, like dishwater and soapy, like suds and stuff to me. It's like getting my mouth washed out with a bar of soap, which, to be honest, I'm probably about a few decades overdue. So, yeah, for me, it's about... <laughs> It's about spirits. It's about the good medicine and uh, and not so much the beer. Wow. See, I, I've spoken to a lot of people. You were the first person to talk to me about getting that affected from yeast and, and beer in general. That's, that's extremely interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I'm going to dig deeper into that, but first I'll introduce my brew, which I'll is something that you'd most definitely hate, probably, aside from the name. This is uh, Cryptopsy and uh, Kanawaki <laughs> Brewing's brand new collab. Uh, we have a song called Cold Hate, Warm Blood, of course. Uh, yeah. This is Cold Haze, Warm Blood, and it's a <laughs> double New England with blood orange. Uh, it was brewed as a part of uh, Vox and Hops' Brutal North America, where I dropped 22 brews across North America at the end of June, 8.5% ABV, kicking to teeth, but it's really smooth because of the, the blood orange juice that they put into it. Uh, I want to hear about your early drinking and when you realized that this is what was happening to you. Because a lot of, you know, when it's new to you, you wouldn't necessarily understand that the side effects of what you're, is happening to you is because of the beer versus just you're getting drunk. Yeah. Um, look... Like most Australians, probably like started drinking in my late teens. Um, oh no, that's not like most Australians. Most start most Australians start drinking in their early teens. So I was a bit of a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then, you know, because I'm 46 years old, so we're talking what 30 years ago or so. Um, there was no, there were no craft beers, um, and the beer import scene was really it was yet to start up around the world. So, yeah, I was starting off on the very basic beers, um, which fortunately for me were the pale ales. So there's stuff like, um, and everyone's going to laugh their heads off here, but Victoria Bitter, VB, um, which funnily enough is still my beer of preference. Like uh, if I've got to have one, people are like, why are you drinking that shit? And I'm just like, you don't understand. It is so plain Jane that I can get it down the hatch <laughs> and it's it's an enjoyable experience. So... Yeah, as I got older, I'd noticed that if I was drinking with friends, like I, you know, I was lightweight. You know, everyone would be on the beers and I'd, you know, tap out at, at about two and everyone else just seemed to be able to grind on for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I was like, oh, shit, okay, obviously I was born with half a kidney or something like that. Um, <laughs> but I had, a, I had an allergy test, I think, like in my 20s and... That came up with yeast on there and I was sort of like, oh, would beer perhaps, you know, have something to do with this? And they're like, yeah, beer will have an effect on you. And then two other things happened. One was like I moved to Japan for a bit uh, and their beers there are very, very clean. The best way I can put them is like they're, they're in computer terms, their resolution on their parallels is like, <laughs> yeah. You know, everyone else is wandering around, around with an old beard Nokia playing snakes. They've like got the, you know, the massive dual monitor set up like their beer is a resolution and it's, it is crisp and clean and I could get that down. Um, and that wasn't a problem. The other thing I noticed was that uh, when I was a bit older, uh, I started getting into things like Jägermeister a bit more. Um, the dangerous medicine. <laughs> But the good medicine, like uh, the first berserker, <laughs> the first berserker tour of the UK was sponsored by Jägermeister. Oh, um, no. oh yes. <laughs> so we really got into it like hardcore there, especially they were giving us a couple of bottles, you know, and, and sort of like a bunch of test tubes and we were supposed to fill up the test tubes and hand them out. Of course, we didn't do that. We just drank the entire bottle ourselves. Um, yeah, <laughs> they should know better. Uh, but after that, you know, they've definitely made their money back on me. I've got a crippling addiction to Jägermeister now. I love it. But I noticed that um, once I moved over onto the spirits or the operatives, that I could have as much, if not more, than most people when it came to that. But on beer, no. No, I tap out after like one or two. So that's my alcohol journey right there. 
<laughs> Very interesting. You covered it all. And I love it. Um, now I want to hear about the soundtrack of your youth. When you're growing up in your parents or guardian's house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? <laughs> Good question. Um, God, it's a bit of a mix. My mum, I remember she got just so frothy over uh, Neil Diamond's Hot August Night. Yeah. It was, which is a bit creepy if you've seen the album cover of that. Like, he, he's in this, like, jumpsuit, sweating all over the place. My dad loves it. Yeah. Uh, he, he looks like he's in mid-orgasm, just like, uh, it's, it's so gross. Um, but my dad had quite the collection. Like, um, he had, I remember he had The Doors, L.A. Woman there. There was a fair bit of ELO, um, which is, yeah, I, I think he's mates were the ones with the really good taste in music and he'd kind of like, uh, you know, tap them. But he had a bit of country as well. I remember there was uh, some Kenny Rogers, uh, a bit of Willie Nelson as well. I still like, you know, hearing a bit of Willie Nelson, like if the weather's really cold and there's an open fireplace somewhere, it's a great combination. Um, And Roger Waters as well. Like uh, he really went for that. As we got on a bit, I think my mum started getting more into the – uh, let me see, uh, classical stuff. I remember in around 89 or so, you know, the three tenors doing their, like, um, you know, uh, their live show at uh, the Forum in Rome. We were starting to get into that. And then there was, I, I remember my sister as well. She had a friend uh, at school, Amanda Rogers, who is now known as Portia de Rossi. Um, and she'd been off in Europe, like, I think, doing some modelling during school. And when she came back, she brought back a bit of vinyl for my sister, um, who I don't know if she really got into it or not. But, like, uh, I remember one of them was um, Mars, um, uh, Pump Up the Volume. Uh, and she uh, and that has an amazing B-side on it. Um, it's They actually did this noise track called Anatina, um, first time I see she dance. And it's, it's so noisy, but um, it's on the back of this, like, this club, you know, uh, vinyl LP, or sorry, EP that was, like, making the rounds over in London at the time. Uh, so that was probably my first, ex- like, exposure to noise. <laughs> um, and then she came back with stuff like the Murray, Murray Ball one night in Bangkok, anything that was getting played on the dance floor. So that's what I was getting started off on. That's amazing. And... Uh... Love Portia de Rossi, love Arrested Development, but more of you. <laughs> I want to hear about your first show. Do you remember the first show that you went to go see? Oh, damn. Um, look, there might be some little show or concert or something somewhere that I've forgotten, but the first real show I remember, like, and especially the first metal one, was, and unfortunately it's still the best one by far, it was Morbid Angel and their 1992 tour of Australia. Um, and that was when they still had Richard Brunel on guitars. They had just released uh, Blessed Other Sick. And there's a lot of guys like my age uh, or thereabouts who, like, yeah, in Australia, who still wander about going, shit, man, that is still the best show we've ever seen. That was when their manager, Gunter Ford, was uh, mixing them. And, and they were just out of their fucking skulls on drugs and Satan and, you know, and well-practiced and young and healthy and mental. Yeah, that's, uh, dude, that was such a geek. Oh, my God. <laughs> Australia has such a vibrant metal scene. I wonder how many bands were formed just from that one night. <laughs> Actually, we've got a like we got quite a few bands and especially back then we had an amazing scene and that scene was already together mm-hmm. um to you know bef- well and well and truly before morbid angel landed but what the what the great thing was is that when they played they played with them and they all sort of like got a good look at what professionalism was um what it is to have a crew um, what it is to put on a show to be performers. Australians are very um, laid back, reticent, uh, reticent, and yeah, quite often in gigs that translates with instead of them going, "Oh, rah, I want to see you guys crush this place. Let's fucking kill everyone." Rah, you know, it's quite often like some guy shuffling his feet, looking at the looking at the floor, going, "You know, I'm just going to play a song. You know, if you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. You know, just." <laughs> This uh, kind of gave him a little bit of a taste of like, you know, what it's like to really 
go out there and back yourselves and have a little bit of arrogance and, you know, bring a bit of hormones to the whole thing. You got to have some swagger. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will believe in yourself. You got to get into character. Do you remember yeah. your first time on stage? Was it playing bass? Was it vocals? Was it both? What was going on? Oh, this, that, I, oh, I can probably give actually two answers to that one. Um, first time playing a show to anyone was probably back at high school. Um, and uh, it was with some friends playing at a benefit at school. And we did a Morbid Angel cover. Um, and oh, I was on right. bass. Yeah, I was, I was on bass and vocals. We did Visions from the Dark Side, too. It was so funny. Like, I, I, go, I went to a, well, a very posh school, um, and I think we were about the only light metal guys in the entire school, and we were also <laughs> the, the ones that went up to see, like, the Morbid Angel kick. And, um, yeah, that just ruined our lives right there. Is You know, you go to this school and you come away, like, you know, being a – politician or a prime minister or a king or a, a silk or a queen's council, you know, kind of thing. And I was on route to, like, do law and I walked away from that gig going, I don't give a shit about school. All I want to do is, like, be standing up on stage with the bass, like, just going, Raw, you know, just laying some Satan down at everyone. So, anyway, we played this show at school and I just... I just remember everyone's faces <laughs> just kind of looking at us <laughs> as if like, you know, I'd, as if I just dropped my dax and bent over and started giving birth to puppies out of my asshole or something like that. They were just, yeah, they weren't impressed. Um, there was, I think there was about five people head banging and we didn't do too bad with it. Um, my first real, real show uh, was with Berserker and that was on guitar and vocals. Uh, and that was at a metal festival in Melbourne called Croydon Metal Fest. And um, it was a bit of a mess, but I, I just remember at the time, like we thought, oh, I thought we were, we were king of shit because we got signed to Earache and mm -hmm. the album had come out and stuff. And there was these local bands who were also, you know, on the make. There was a band called The Wolves and uh, Frankenbock, and they'd already been touring Australia and, you know, making their own moves and stuff. And, and I was like, yeah, we're competition for them because, like, we're on Eric and we're a berserker, you know, kind of thing. And um, we opened that day and they, they were the bands that closed it. And, um, I, and, and I was nervous as hell, like, before that show. And, you know, we, as I say, we, we kind of, battled through it didn't do that good, great a job of it but they just absolutely nailed their gigs and the crowd reaction and connection was fantastic and they came off and as they came off there was a party that night and they're already at the party like planning the next three or four shows and i just saw that big gulf between us and them and it was just like oh shit man <laughs> we've still got quite a way to go which is important to learn you got you got to you got to get there you got to play those gigs you got to realize that you're not ready so that you can prepare to become ready it's, it's an important lesson that you need to learn you can't learn it until you're in the, that position there's no perfect mm. plan you have to it's these life lessons as a musician as with with many things Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Uh, let's talk about werewolves. You guys have been extremely busy. I think it's just baffling how much material you guys have written, you guys have put out, you guys are going to put out. Uh, you have two albums out 
already. You have mm-hmm. a third one that's recorded. I've heard whispers that it's the, even a fourth one is recorded. Um, <laughs> the Haley brothers are machines. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. You got David <laughs> on the drums. You got uh, his brother doing the studio work. Uh, you got Matt Wilcock. Uh, David and Matt would play together in Abramelin. Um, talk to me about werewolves, not how it all came together, but I, I'm really, really interested in this work ethic. Uh, yeah. Being in Cryptopsy, it's sometimes a struggle to get product out, to get songs together, to get them released, <laughs> to even get together to write them. How the hell did you guys do this? Um, look, I think the makeup or the members of the band or a band are really important. Like, it's one thing to be a, a talented guy who can, like, write a tune and maybe likes playing a show or whatnot. But I think that um, to really get a lot of output happening, to get a lot of recording happening, you, you kind of have to love the grind, you mm-hmm. know, not just the bit where you're coming up with songs, which is like, you know, the fairy dust and the sprinkles and the cherry on top. <laughs> no, you've got to love you got to love pumping that fudge out. you got to love the bits where you're having to, like, send the videos to the other guys, you know, the bits where you're shaping lyrics and sending it and just, like, going, all right, what things can I get away with? Like, what am I going to have to edit out? The bits where you – yeah, how to have those unfun conversations where you're talking about the business side of it, like what's what's the split going to be this time? Like, have we got the ISRC codes? you got to love all of it. Um, and there's only so much of it that's fun. Uh, now, probably we're really lucky. Um, Matt is a man of few hobbies, uh, and playing guitar would be hobby one, two, and three. Uh, but also he's, you know, it's, it's pretty inspiring to see. The guy has kind of shaped his life um, in the best possible way to make and record music. By that, I mean sort of like when he practices uh, playing guitar or I think when he's coming up with his riffs, whenever I stay over at his place, he's always the first one out of bed. He's pretty disciplined and he'll watch TV. You know, he'll have breakfast, have a coffee and watch TV for like an hour or two in the morning. But he'll be watching it standing up and just like practicing. (laughs) I Um, love it. (laughs) And and he'll he'll either do scales, but I think like – you might have this, everyone has their own way of writing music, but uh, I think it's really good if you're sitting in front of the TV when you write music and your brain uh-huh. is focused on that and then I think your subconscious is working over the instrument. Um, and I think you come up with a lot of good stuff there. Uh, his place is set up so that if he needs to record a riff, can do that like no problems whatsoever. Um, on top of that... Like I think a lot of guys also kill their passion for music by um, involving themselves too much in the studio and recording side of it. I think it's a very rare individual who is good at both the studio and also the playing. Um, And I've seen plenty of guys like, you know, drift away from music because they got too wrapped up in like collecting sound cards or VST plugins or the latest software or or all that kind of crap. Matt's got like the minimum required setup, and when it comes time time to do an album, he just takes like you know raw stems and hands it to a studio um, and gets them to do that work. The reamping and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So so he's got like what I call a frictionless kind of setup of like there's nothing that he's not having to step out of his way to do any part of it, recording, the coming up, the practice, any of that. Dave has no life except metal he's he's a hard worker i've toured with him i've toured for him having him bring cryptopsy to australia Mm. and new zealand it was flawless and now throughout the pandemic i've heard or i know that he's turned his whole touring business into a merch business because he was even doing that when bands would come in the merch was all taken care of you don't have to bring your merch the merch is already printed it's all organized dave is a freaking genius when it comes to this uh so hats off to him so yeah keep going sir yeah no like um yeah he enjoys playing and enjoys practicing as well um whereas fucking good (laughs) yeah like we both know just because someone plays or is good at an instrument it doesn't necessarily mean that they like spending their spare time like you know that's getting true. at it 
So that, that's a really good quality. But also, you know, Matt's really good at the music side, um, pumping out music. Uh, Dave is really good at the business side. So there's a lot of, you know, we, we've all got a lot of experience, but like quite often in a chat, like, you know, Dave will have the answers to any questions that we've got. When you're that guy that's bringing in every freaking band or just about every band, mm. you have every contact. So, so D- Dave definitely knows what's going on in the industry. Yeah. So, you know, for example, with that little bit of work that uh, we did like earlier in the week, um, you know, we had to get in contact with like a few other bands. And, um, you know, for me, I'd be like, oh, shit, do I just do an internet search for them or something? And <laughs> Dave's like, just leave it to me. And a day, you know, a day or two later, he's back going, yep, we're all good. So, I love him. <laughs> so yeah, the, he's handy, but he doesn't sort of like begrudge uh, that role of you know handling the business side. But we all have a sort of like enough experience that we can all chip in in each other's wheelhouse as well. No one is fully left alone, like doing all the studio or recording. No one's fully left alone, you know, doing the business. It's so it, it's a good little unit, like. Both those guys work hard, love working. I'm the slackest one out of all of us. Um, I can say that right now. Um, if I've got a talent that I bring to it, it's probably uh, just being able to talk massive amounts of shit um, and really just get elbow deep in sort of the promo game. It's incredible. The, the amount of lyrics that you've had to write, I would be daunted. <laughs> mm. Riffs repeat themselves. Lyrics do not. So, so yeah. And your lyrics are quite aggressive. And, and, <laughs> you know what a time to be alive killer album title surprised no one else came up with it but you did um just just very violent angry <laughs> <laughs> where yeah. does it come from is it does it stem through humor is it a bit of dark cynicism uh look it's a bit of all of the above um to be honest and look uh i think matt kind of set the tone for uh what he wanted from the band um, and so he was kind of like before the first album, the, the dead are screaming, like he was giving me just keywords, like, uh, you know, just to, for the vibe, for the feeling. So he was like, you know, bestial, you know, violence, um, you know, over the top, don't be subtle, you know, be as ridiculous as you want. And, uh, you know, it's it's cool. It's very. It's not all that often that like you know a band or an outfit just goes go for it, dude. Don't worry. Are, are there times that you've written stuff that they said no, it's too much? Absolutely, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> oh, share those with us. <laughs> uh, look, I, I I'll share it with you, but you know you got to be careful these days. I'll preface it just by saying that. When I, when I write any lyrics, um, I make an absolute point of crossing the line. Like I've, I've got a moral compass of my own and I do my best to turn that moral compass off um, and write down stuff that is unpleasant and uncomfortable. Uh, so having said that, like the things that normally they edit out or cross out is uh, I'll be talking about fascism or genocide. Um and quite often it's not so much the content that they pick up, it's keywords. Um, they're, you know, as I say, I, I turn the brain off when I do it and I rely on Matt and Dave but also like uh, prosthetic to be able to tell me when I'm, I've come up with something that's going to, you know, uh, cause trouble. So, for example, like the album title for like uh, album number two wasn't, originally what a time to be alive it was uh hate speech which yeah i thought encapsulated like the content perfectly and a you know tight little punchy title they're the ones who came back just going no um you don't want that googled and then you guys keep popping up yeah yeah it's kind of like you know werewolves pedal hate speech and it's like no we don't and they're like yes you do you called your fucking album after it and we'll be like ah you got us there (laughs) so 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 sharp sharp eye at prosthetic there keep going yeah yeah, I think that one was more more Dave than anything. Like, you know, from his time as a booking agent, he's run afoul of, like, uh, people cancelling shows. Um, so, and they also live over in Melbourne as well, which is a very um, uh, progressive town, a progressive city, I should say. Uh, so they've got more experience with the real unhinged kind of 
progressive element, which are really into like canceling and banning stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of live in a little bit of more of an old fashioned, smaller city where it's not quite such a thing. So you don't have to worry about that as much, but they kind of like run into it on a regular basis. So, or, it's, or see it around them. So like, uh, yeah, they're, they're more aware than I am. Other stuff that has been, <laughs> there was that song of that little project we did where like, uh, you know, I, I think, um, the chorus in it, uh, I, I had a line saying fascists whisper in our hearts or something like that. I had to change it to evil whispers in our hearts, which is basically the same thing. Um, but, but again, like, you know, as well as anyone else that you get just uh, people out there where they're not looking at the content or where you're coming from or the context even. They just see that keyword and they're like, yay, yay, I've got a target. I've got a target today. And before you know, like, they're able to whip up, you know, enough people on Twitter about like the pop, you know, the size of the population of Australia and just send them after you. And they can do a lot of damage in a small time. It's, it's actually beneficial that you are at an older age when you're writing material like this so that you can look at it from a mature perspective uh, so that, so that you can, as an artist, accept that your bandmates and that the label is going to edit your lyrics. Oh yeah, and it's also you know I've I've known Matt now for what the last twenty years, and we've toured the world together. Um, uh, you know, we've moved over to England at the same time, and you know I've I've known known Dave on and off through the years again for about twenty years. Like he uh, did a, um, a tryout for Berserker like um, back in the days. That was that was for the two thousand and one tour, like with Dying Fetus and Gorguts and Skinless. We wanted him on wow. that one, but I think he he was just starting uni or something like that, so he couldn't do it. That would have been awesome, but but um, yeah, look, I've I know the guys. I've known them for long enough. I I don't have too many hang ups myself. So if they turn around and go, we can't do that. We shouldn't say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to I'm willing to go with it. I don't want to grind this i don't want to be the one that grinds this band to a halt no i don't think that there is stopping werewolves you guys are a machine uh have you guys performed live no is that something that will happen granted if you're allowed to <laughs> yeah look um we want to do it uh we want album three to come out which <laughs> i don't think anyone's going to be waiting too long for that um Probably the problem that we've really got right now, it's more down to uh, just COVID being a thing than anything. Like at the moment, you know, I'm booked in to do shows with the Amenta um, and, and I'm, I'm on bass and backup vocals for that. It's, <laughs> it's such an easy gig compared to the other bands I've done. Um, and I'm happy to do that because as harsh as this sounds, like uh, they're the ones like, booking the shows and doing the planning. They just tell me where I'd need to be and when. So, you know, if a, if a gig gets cancelled, like we were going to be playing, ah, oh, it was going to be so good. We were, we were <laughs> I've got to tell you about this. We were supposed to be playing at this festival, uh, not this weekend, but the next. Okay, so you know how in uh, Germany you've got fucking. Yes. Okay, so this one, I think it's some black fellas, uh, some Aborigines in um, – around Alice Springs, and it's it's a really Aboriginal town, so I don't even know if they are, but, like, in reference to the area, they've called the festival Blacken. And yes, yes, I've seen this, actually, yes. And the lineup is fantastic, or it was fantastic. It's, like, I shouldn't say the festival's cancelled, it's just postponed, so they're searching for some more dates at the moment. But, but you know, when that was cancelled, I was like, ah, God, that sucks, but, you know, I could sort of see that coming a bit. Whereas if that's our own band, if that was Werewolves, we'd just be gutted. And you know, I can get by with maybe just doing one rehearsal a week or a fortnight uh, for the Amenta. Um, for Werewolves, whew, it is like... It's a mouthful. Yeah. I was going to say, you're a vocalist, so so you know the <laughs> deal, man. I don't give myself much of a break like on that material. There's no solos. I'm going to have to, uh, I don't know how I'm going to do it, to be honest, but... You didn't do it live, like one takes. You do in the studio or did you do line by line, section by section? Uh, 
I, I changed it up. Like some bits were like uh, line by line and I'd record each type of vocal sort of separately. So I'd do all the highs in one sesh or the lows one sesh. Well, I did it all in one sesh. I just broke the one sesh up into, you know, three sessions. Oh, yeah, no werewolves um, vocal recording has taken longer than one day. Wow, <laughs> the whole album? Yeah. Insane. Amazing. Oh, it gets it gets funnier. Like um, <laughs> when I did uh, What a Time to Be Alive, uh, I was that was the last album I did before I had to go in for vocal surgery. Really? Okay, we have to talk about this now. What happened? What happened? What happened? Yeah. It's amazingly enough, it wasn't an injury. I had um, I had a papilloma, a wash, like on the vocal folds. Okay. Now I'd, I'd had that for for a few years, so my voice was like uh, degenerating more and more. And like, I first checked it out in 2016. Some old ENT, like you know, throat doc, sort of like who would have been about 90 years old, you know endoscoped me roughly via the nose, looked at it and went, oh, you have like vocal nodules, terrible vocal nodules, the worst nodules I've ever seen. And so I was like, oh, shit, it's finally happened. And he's like, you need to do voice training and voice therapy and look after your voice and like that. So I did that. I did that hardcore, like, you know, no no alcohol, stop smoking, like, you know, I used to smoke a bit. Um, But uh, voice exercises just at the start of each and every day, let alone the start of any session, um, warm liquids, uh, constant hydration, vaporizers, like absolutely everything. I went to town and it didn't get better and it just kept getting worse. Um, and finally in, I think, uh, 2019, I, I went and had it checked out. I'm, I moved away from Melbourne. I moved into state here to Adelaide and I had the best ante in the state. Check it out. It was much younger. And he had some good good equipment, and it was great. He like got got the camera up my nose so I could see video in real time, like uh, the vocal folds in the throat. So he was getting me to like do different vocals or sounds and stuff, and I could watch like the folds opening and closing. That's so movie. cool, yeah. Um, and he goes, look, you don't have nodules at all. You've got like a little wart right here. It's right where the vocal folds try to close. So I was like, ah. Shit, is that a problem? He goes, nah, it's just like a day surgery in and out. Like, um, we'll have it out. You just need to shut up for about a week and then take it easy for a month. And you have to be quiet before the operation, have the operation, then recoup afterwards. No, nah, I, I could, I could talk afterward, uh, like beforehand or make noises beforehand. Like I, as I say, I think I recorded that album a few weeks uh, before I went in for surgery. Um, but yeah, afterwards, then it's very much take it easy on your voice. Um, but I could talk and sing like, you know, after a week or two, it's just the death metal vocals have been like a, a slower um, move forward. Unfortunately, I think that bit where um, the papilloma was removed, uh, that's exactly kind of where the callus um, forms as well for like the, the deeps. Um, and so, before I used to like just be able to launch into that, like it was some sort of launch pad. Now it's kind of like, ah, it's, it's not quite there. And I have to work around it as I feel it's sort of like getting grislier and better. And there's other stuff I can do with my voice now I couldn't do before. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not quite the same, but yeah, I did that album. Like I wasn't, I was able to do death metal vocals, but I couldn't talk. You couldn't speak at that point. Nah. Wow. Yeah, I could kind of speak. It sort of sounded like this. Wow. And and that was speaking, but yeah, if it was death metal vocals, it'd be like raw, you know. Just, <laughs> it was full strength. Just just death metal vocals all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I should have been. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're recuperated and you're back, and uh, everything is fixed, and you're just going to keep killing it with werewolves, um, if you could do a release show the first werewolves show werewolves tour don't keep it trapped to to australia no disrespect to any bands from australia the UI's all rule you know that i love you but the perfect showcase for werewolves what bands would be on that bill to put you in front of the perfect audience so you guys could become even bigger than you are now uh magic preferably if they're like uh doing some sort of tour where they're just playing panzer division and nothing else. 
I'm a dark funeral mortician, just your your dumbest, heaviest, stupidest fucking bands. Like um, every, it, for some reason, people keep on going, oh, well, technical death metal, and I'm like, no, we're not. Shut up. <laughs> like, we're, we, we just play dumb. We're dumb guys playing dumb shit. That's our fucking logo, you know. Uh, but I think everyone kind of, because I've seen a little bit of conversation out and about, like about who werewolves should play with when it finally happens, and they're all naming these technical death metal bands. And I'm like, fuck no, don't do that. Well, they'll blow us away. <laughs> oh, the problem is that, like, um, yeah, if we do play live, well, when we do play live, people I think will quite often see Dave in the lineup and be like, oh, let's get Psychroptic in, get Dave to uh-huh. do two sets and, like, you know, save a little bit of transport or accommodation money. <laughs> Dave's already thinking about it. <laughs> Dave's probably thinking no about it because it would be two <laughs> savage sets. Like, um, but so I'm like, no, don't put a song with them, man. They'll fucking blow us away. Jesus. Um, no, I, I'm looking forward to what it's going to happen and I reckon, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see something as early as like Feb, March, maybe next year. Um, once we're a little bit close to album three release date, uh, I'm coming up with like a set list at the moment. Yeah, but really, I think the other two guys, they just need a week or two to break themselves in, but I'm going to have the real job out of everyone trying to do bass and all those vocals at the same time. So uh, I, you know, I've said to them, look, you know, I'll need a good four months heads up before we do any shows just to have a fighting chance of getting performance fit. Oh, it's a workout. It's, it's an absolute workout getting ready to perform extreme vocals, especially if you've never done them hmm. all together back to back while playing bass. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, you, you get, you got your work cut out for you, but I know you could do it, Sam. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You don't like beer, but, it's not that you don't like beer. Beer doesn't like you. Yeast doesn't like you. Um, if you could make a werewolf's brew, what beer would it be? Uh, what style? What would you call it? And you could cheat and say that it's your own Jägermeister. Uh, Satan. <laughs> no, it would be a, I reckon it would be a black beer, let's be honest. Um, yeah, it would be black and full of hate. <laughs> that sounds like a, that's a good beer title right there black and full of hate <laughs> yeah actually that would be you know I'm, i've been sort of against because like there's a lot of bands doing or not a lot of bands only a couple of bands doing the beers but there's right now there's a trend over here bands doing hot sauce and every now and then we'll have someone like go, hey where was beer where was hot sauce and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't want people gaining pleasure from our products. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think if we did a, a black beer and called it black and full of hate, then yeah, I, I think I could be, I'd be agreeable to that. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Uh, one last question. Uh, it probably does happen to you if you're into the spirits, but you, you know what you're doing. You're, you're a mature man, but every once in a while it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Uh, for a moment there, I thought, <laughs> so how often do you piss yourself? But um, <laughs> my hangover Let cure. Me count. Yeah. <laughs> Look, um, I've had to change them. Uh, there was a really good one that you used to be able to get in England, um, and it was a sachet powder called Resolve. Hmm. Um, and you could just get it from WH Smith's over there, and that stuff was magic. Like, it uh, didn't matter. So I... I I'm a problem spewer when it comes to hangovers. And once I start, I'll go for about two days. Yeah, it sucks. So Resolve was brilliant. It would, within 10 minutes, take away the nausea. You had to drink it afterwards, before, um, right before going to bed? So so while you were hungover or like a, like a preemptive thing? Yeah, no, it's, you'd, you'd have a while hungover because, you know, I wouldn't be sensible enough to, you know, take precautions <laughs> before some people, going their, to their hangover cure is planning for the hangovers. So, so I wasn't sure if it was, it was a, a preemptive, you know, <laughs> you're going to be hungover. So you take a resolve, but no, it's, it's, you're already hungover. And then you, you, you make your trip down to the drugstore and you pick oh. up that pack of resolve. No, 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 no. Um, I would, uh. <laughs> This is where I was slightly smart. I'd have usually a big box of about 20 um, stashed away in the apartment. So I'd crawl my sorry ass to like wherever they were stashed, usually in the bathroom. So nice and convenient, usually next to where I'm like chundering everywhere. And uh, I'd mix myself up a glass of that. 
wait for 10 minutes close to a sink or toilet uh, and then once that 10 minutes was up I knew I was going to be pretty good crawl off to bed and um, yeah probably usually fall asleep <laughs> but look they don't sell it anymore um, so my hangover cure now it comes from my grandma it's dry ginger ale um, huh. either dry ginger ale or a ginger beer uh, and uh, both the effervescence and also the ginger in that usually mean if you have a couple of slugs of that um, before too long, the nausea goes, uh, and then you're back on your feet and able to get after it. <laughs> Amazing. Sam, thank you so, so much for taking the time talking to me about your life, music, and about craft beer and how craft beer makes you suffer, um, which is perfect for your lyrical theme. I, I just think it just encompasses... <laughs> The, the whole theme of the, the conversation i love it everyone please get ready for the new werewolves um go see them live when we can um sam this is a true true pleasure i i am very stoked that i got to be a part of the new werewolves and i can't wait for everyone to hear it uh, a true pleasure cheers sam cheers dude thanks thanks for the time thanks for the chat Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have a blast connecting with Sam. He was super funny, super interesting. I am a huge fan of werewolves. I think that they're just putting out some of the most pummeling extreme music that is uh, coming out of Australia to date. I really, really am super stoked that I had a chance to be on an upcoming track. It's a banger of a track, and I can't wait to showcase it to all of you. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You could do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that is happening in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I've dropped. If I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, you got the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by Jerry Monk, the Metal architect himself and is available on both apple music and spotify there is just so so much going on in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast i would hate for you to miss a single thing so please sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list the vox and hops metal podcast is brought to you by sound talent media i have one more episode coming up this friday but until then remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers vox and hops hits Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>